Brothers and sisters, please turn with me in Holy Scripture to the Gospel according to Mark, chapter 4, verses 26 through 29. Mark, chapter 4, verses 26 through 29. And open your hearts now with faith to receive the holy and inspired word of the Lord. This is our Lord Jesus speaking, and he said, The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself, first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts the sickle, puts in the sickle, Because the harvest has come. Loved ones in Christ, the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Gracious God, our Heavenly Father, we do plead with you on the basis of the merits and mediation of our Savior Jesus Christ, that you would write this word upon our hearts. Open our ears, that we might truly hear, understand, and embrace this word of life which grants to us eternal life. We ask and pray all these things through Jesus Christ, our Lord, to whom with you and the Holy Spirit belong all honor and glory, world without end. Amen. How does the church grow? How does the church grow? When Jesus speaks in the Gospels about the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven, What he's referring to is basically the new creation. If you've ever wondered what what is the kingdom of God, it is basically the new creation. It is what the New Testament writers, the Old Testament writers for that matter, refer to as the new heavens and the new earth. All of these things end up coming together at the very end of the Bible. John the Apostle is given this image of the old heavens and earth passing away and Christ the Lord recreating a new heavens and a new earth. And what does he see immediately after that vision? But a city coming down from the heavens, the kingdom of God. These images all end up overlapping with each other because they're all pointing basically to the same reality, the kingdom of God and the new creation. These are heavenly things that have now, through the person and the preaching of our Lord Jesus Christ, Invaded into this age. We taste of the age to come through Jesus Christ. And it is in the church where those heavenly realities are particularly experienced. The church has sometimes rightly been called the embassy of the kingdom of God. The kingdom is in heaven. We are waiting for it to come down in its fullness. But the church is where his ambassadors are. So where you want to hear from the Lord, you must come to his church and hear the word of the Lord spoken from Christ himself. The church is the embassy where the blessings of the age to come are particularly experienced. And so whatever Jesus says about growing his kingdom should have an enormous effect about what we believe about growing a church. How to grow a kingdom is related to how we grow the church. So how does the church grow? 
a question of particular importance for us in a church plant context. Jesus answers that question for us today in the parable of the growing seed. And this parable teaches us that Christ grows his kingdom through his powerful word. He grows his kingdom through his word. And that word produces fruit gradually until God says it's complete. It's God's powerful word and it is God's powerful timing. That's how he grows the church. Now, if this is true, then this parable is a powerful indictment against some of the ways that Christians have talked about church growth. But it is also a wonderful guide. This parable is a wonderful guide if we would just give it our attention and embrace what Jesus actually says. So let's look at this parable and let's see how we should respond. There are three aspects about the way in which the kingdom grows that Jesus speaks about in this parable. And the first aspect about the way in which the kingdom grows is that it grows automatically. It grows automatically. The parable itself is simple enough to understand. It envisions a man who sows some seed and then he waits for it to bear fruit. And when it, is, it has uh, produced that mature fruit, he harvests it. And we have something of a cheat sheet in this very same chapter for how to understand the symbolism of the parable. Because in chapter 4, as we saw a few weeks ago, Jesus has already told us that the seed is the word. The seed is the word of God. That's back in verse 14 of the same chapter. We read that the man sows the seed, and when it begins to bear fruit, the man can't explain it. Verse 27, it says, he knows not how. It sprouts, and he doesn't even know how to explain it. Verse 28. Verse 28 actually tells us how. The man doesn't know how in the parable. Verse 28, Jesus tells us how. It says, the earth produces by itself. It produces by itself. The Greek word here is where we get the English term automatic. It's where we get our word automatic. So when I say that the kingdom grows automatically, I mean that it grows because of a power that lies in the word of God. The word is what causes the kingdom to produce of itself automatically. Now, this passage, uh, hopefully it's obvious, is not a manual on farming. Anyone who deals with growing crops of any kind or plants of any kind knows that a lot of toil is involved. Sometimes uh, you get bad seeds or sometimes the seeds are perfectly fine, but the conditions aren't quite right. But within the seed of God's word itself is kingdom power. What does this mean then about planting and growing churches? It must mean that we sow the seed and let it do its work. It must mean this for us. Because Jesus says that this is what the kingdom of God is like. This is how the kingdom grows. We sow the seed and we let it do its work. Brothers and sisters... Be confident in the word of God. 
These are for you the words of eternal life. This is where it comes from, is in the word of God. And so we must found our churches firmly upon it. Writing about this, pa- this parable, Pastor Terry Johnson says this. He says, it could hardly be more ironic that the biblical content of worship services in the last hundred years, and especially in the last 25, has been drastically reduced. The word content of public services has been reduced by those whose motive often is to grow the church. This is the equivalent of removing gasoline from the gas tank of cars by those whose motive is to empower automobiles, end quote. You take away the word, and then whatever growth comes isn't actually kingdom growth. Because you must have the seed of the kingdom of God for the kingdom to sprout. In Titus chapter 1, verse 2 and 3, this is the Apostle Paul speaking to young pastor Titus. At the very beginning of this letter, Paul speaks about eternal life. That's his subject in view, is eternal life. Listen to what he says about this. He says that eternal life has been manifested in God's word through the preaching with which I have been entrusted. How do people receive eternal life? How do people pass from death into life? Through the word. It is through God's word. Paul says that's how eternal life is manifested. It is through the word of God with which, with which uh, Paul and all ministers have been entrusted. Jesus says much the same in the gospel of John chapter 5, verse 24. Whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He has passed from death to life. How does a spiritual resurrection take place? Through the word. Uh, Jesus says in other parables that uh, a seed has to go into the ground and die before it is raised and life comes from it. Well, you are only spiritually uh, dead to sin and alive to righteousness through the seed of the word of God. It is the word which brings us eternal life. If any church desires to see sinners drawn into the kingdom of God, then that church must remain squarely fixed on Holy Scripture. Not fixed on experiences of the Holy Spirit separated from Holy Scripture, nor on the other end of the spectrum, uh, fixed on saying or reciting the same old thing, even if no one in the congregation knows what they're saying or believes it, but fixed on the Word of God. And fixed on this word to be cherished in all of its fullness and all of its glory. That it might be offered and explained and applied. That it might be obeyed and believed. That it might be sung and prayed. Because we believe that the word of God is powerful to produce the kingdom of God. It bears fruit automatically. Of itself. Because it is from God It is filled with power to create a kingdom. 
And if that's the case, then we must found our churches upon it. It comes automatically. Secondly, the kingdom of God grows gradually. It grows gradually. Back again in verses 27 and 28, there are a couple of details to point out here. For one thing, the sower sows the seed, and then he has to wait. He goes to sleep, he wakes up, night and day, goes about his business, he has to wait. And for another thing, the crop comes in stages, not all at once. A lot of the parables are very short. There's a certain economy of the words that are used. And several of the words that Jesus uses here are dedicated to this very slow progression. It bears fruit of itself, verse 28, first the blade, then the ear, and then the full grain in the ear. It's a very methodical way of explaining this part of the process because both of these observations, in both of these observations, Jesus is pressing us to see the gradual nature of growth in the kingdom of God. In our home, one of our favorite children's book series is Frog and Toad. Frog and Toad. I don't know if you've ever read these, but they are just wonderful uh, and hilarious. I laugh a lot harder than my own kids do at these stories. And in one of these stories, uh, Toad and Frog, they're, they're best friends. And Toad comes to Frog's house and he sees that Frog has grown this beautiful garden. And Toad says, uh, I want one. So Frog gives him seeds and says, plant them in the ground and pretty soon you'll have a garden. And uh, Toad says, how soon? And Frog says, pretty soon. So he goes back and he puts the seeds in the ground. And once they're nice and covered up, he gets real low to the ground and he says, okay, seeds, grow. (laughs) And nothing happens. And so he does it again. And he yells over and over. And uh, Frog comes and says, what is this racket? (laughs) Toad says, well, I'm trying to get the seeds to grow. They need to know this. And Frog says, you've scared them to death. They're not going to grow if you're yelling at them. So the rest, the rest of the story is, is Toad uh, sitting. And um, even by night, he's singing songs. He plays the violin for these seeds. He reads poetry. He reads the seeds' stories. And he's worn himself completely out. And he falls asleep. And he wakes up to Frog, who has come and said, hey, Toad, wake up. They're starting to sprout. While he was asleep. That is exactly what it is like in the Christian life, isn't it? Yelling at yourself or at others or at your church to just do something already. And when you have not been paying attention, the growth comes. We long to see growth in our church. We want to see it in ourselves. We want to see it in others. But the word of God normally bears fruit gradually. And often the growth becomes visible when we are not noticing it. It is our resistance to this truth that the kingdom comes gradually and that growth comes gradually. It's resistance to this truth that leads to a whole lot of anguish and damage in the churches. But if we embrace this truth, it will lead us to be patient and compassionate. It is very often the case that conflicts with fellow believers come from our impatience with them. Why has this person not matured more? 
Why are they not over this thing? They always come to me with the same old thing. But fruit in the kingdom of God usually grows first by the blade, then by the ear, then the mature grain in the ear. It takes a long time usually for there to be fruit. And if we feel impatient about maturity in others, then the proper response is not only to pray for their growth, but then to look at ourselves and to acknowledge and confess our own lack of maturity. Because it's probably evident to other people. And if we would come with this kind of posture toward one another in the church, how many church splits would be avoided? How much pain generally would be avoided? And if we came not only forbearing with one another, but also forgiving one another, how much more peace would we experience as uh, members of Christ's church? That peace which belongs properly to the kingdom of God, we would feel it and experience it among ourselves if we remembered that growth comes gradually. And so we were patient and compassionate. It's the same for churches themselves, more on an institutional level. The ordinary manner of growth is gradual. Let me just say it again. The ordinary manner of growth for churches is gradual. Are there times when more extraordinary things happen? Of course. Of course. The early chapters of Acts, the the, the Jerusalem church grew by thousands. But... That is also the extraordinary time at the beginning of the New Covenant Church when Christ on high has poured out the Holy Spirit from heaven. This is something unique and and unrepeatable in the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Usually, ordinarily, it takes time for the word to take root in people's hearts through persistent hearing of the word, through living it out in community, through attendance to the sacraments and through prayer. And it is only through that long and sometimes arduous and sometimes painfully slow process that churches grow. Churches grow gradually too. For us, all of this means that we must, especially in our early days as a congregation, be patient with one another and compassionate in our weaknesses. Paul says in his letter to the Philippians, he says, I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. If you have received the seed of the word and you are not yet seeing the maturity that you uh, that you want to see, then believe on this promise. If God himself has begun the work, he will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. And use the certainty that comes from that promise to be patient with one another. If you are not seeing the maturity that you desire to see in your fellow brothers and sisters, wait and pray. And believe that Christ will bring about the ending of that work, the end goal of that work, even in your brother and sister in Christ as well. This process is of the Holy Spirit. We cannot rush it. We can work it. You know, we can. Uh, this is the same letter where Paul says, Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Uh, but it is God who wills and works within you. And so we wait on the Lord. When we uh, call ourselves miserable offenders in our prayer of confession, we mean it. 
we offend. We miserably offend. We sin against Almighty God daily. We sin against one another. So dear brothers and sisters, be compassionate with one another. Be patient while we wait day by day and week by week for the Lord to grow His church. Lastly, this morning, the kingdom comes automatically. It comes gradually. It also comes and grows certainly. Certainly. The kingdom of God will certainly grow until God says it is complete. Not when we say it's complete. It is, uh, it is a certainty because it is on God's timeline. The first way that uh, the parable communicates this certainty is in the sower's ability to sleep. Verse 27. What is it, a, what is it that keeps people up at night? It's uncertainty. <laughs> You've got some kind of uncertainty about your family or your job, your finances. That's what keeps you up at night. But the man of the parable sleeps. And by putting this detail in the parable, Jesus promises that if we are sticking to the word of God, then he will most assuredly use that word to accomplish his purposes. You can rest easy knowing that. So we wait gradually. We know that it comes gradually and that makes us wait. But we wait with a certainty that even while we sleep, God is doing his work with his word. The other way that the parable communicates the certainty is in the certain end goal that is described in verse 29. Look with me there at verse 29. Jesus says, But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. The harvest has come. There's an end goal. There's an end goal to sowing these seeds and watching the growth. And the end goal is the harvest. Now, ultimately, in the parable, the, the one sowing and the one harvesting in the parable, and this uh, thought world of the parable, points to Christ himself. This is the great messianic work that Christ came to do, to scatter the word and to reap at harvest time. Uh, it is true that he uses people to sow the seed and to gather people into his church. He uses people to do these things. But it is ultimately the Lord Jesus Christ himself who has truly done this and will certainly accomplish it in the future. It's him. The image of the sickle and the harvest are from the prophet Joel in the Old Testament. Joel chapter 3, verse 13. And what's so interesting about Jesus using this prophecy, some images from this prophecy in this parable, is that in the Old Testament prophecy, Joel is talking about judgment on the great day of the Lord. When God uses his sickle to cut down the wicked in their condemnation. That's what the prophecy is about. But here in the parable, the sickle is being used to gather in those who have been saved. So what's going on here? Well, the, the difference between that Old Testament prophecy and what Christ is pointing to in the parable is that when the great day of the harvest comes, at the end of the age, 
when our Lord Jesus Christ comes back, he will have already accomplished his great work of salvation for us. That's the difference. One day, the Messiah will come with his angels and the sickle of heaven will come down. And it will come down in judgment. It will come down upon the wicked. That is a certainty. It will cut down those who have turned their backs on the Lord. But it cut down the Messiah first. His crucifixion, the crucifixion of our Lord Jesus Christ, was nothing less than the judgment of the last day being poured out on Him in time. So that He being cut down in judgment in our place for our sins, what is left for us on harvest day is salvation and being gathered in. So that when the sickle comes down from heaven through the Lord Jesus Christ and with his glorious angels, it will not condemn and judge us. It will gather us in with the people of God. You can count on this. It's a certainty for those who have placed their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. It is a certainty for the people of God. And it is this message of the cross that Christ himself has borne the judgment of his people in their place For their sins that they might be raised on the last day. It is on the basis of that message. That we must stick so closely to the word of God. As long as we are a church. Because it is the message of the cross that gives people eternal life. That message. Not some other message. Not our own opinions. Not our own church growth strategies. But the word of the cross. Raises people to new life. Loved ones in Christ. This is how the church grows. By God's powerful word. It is how he expands his kingdom. We are not indifferent to thinking concretely and strategically. We know that there are ways to interact with the community. And and it's better to be uh, nice rather than mean when we sow the, the seed of the word. You know, those kinds of considerations are natural. But we do not lean on them. We do not trust in them. We trust that the kingdom grows through the seed of God's word. And we trust that a harvest is coming. And so while we wait for that day, let us be all the more confident as we sow the seed of this word. Let the fads of church growth come and go. Let them go. They have always come and they've always gone. And they will continue to do so. Let those fads go. May we be patient while we wait for maturity in our own lives, maturity in our church, and may we be confident in the knowledge that Christ will indeed one day gather us in. Amen. Let us pray. Gracious and merciful God, we ask now that indeed this seed of the word of God would be planted in our own hearts, that you would bring about the fruit that you desire in us and that you require of us as well. Work this maturity in us by the gracious power of your Holy Spirit. We ask through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.